Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swillard. Well, we are in part two of this message series, My Big Fat Mouth. And today I want to tell you this story uh, from the Jewish Talmud. So there's this king, and he summoned two of his jesters. And he said to the first jester, I want you to go out into the kingdom, and I want you to explore. I want you to find the most terrible thing in the kingdom, and I want you to bring it back to me. And then he summoned the second jester, and he said, I want you to go out into the kingdom, and I want you to explore, and I want you to look everywhere, and I want you to find the most incredible treasure, and I want you to bring that back to me. So these two jesters went out into the kingdom, and they explored. And then they came back to the king with two packages. Each of them had a package. And so the first first jester stepped up to the king. He approached the king, and he says, Behold, your majesty, I bring to you the most terrible thing that I've found in the kingdom. And he opens this package, he unwraps it, and he reveals that inside there's a tongue. And he says, your majesty, what else is more terrible than the tongue? It's the instrument of strife and contention. It's the inventor of lawsuits, the source of division and wars. It's the organ of error and lies, slander and blasphemies. Then the second jester stepped up to the king, and he says, behold, your majesty, I have found the most incredible treasure in all of the kingdom. And he opens up his package and he unwraps it, and there we see inside another tongue. And he says, Your Majesty, what else in the kingdom can be found that is more more valuable than this treasure? This is an incredible treasure because it's, it's the tongue. It's the bond of society. It's the organ of truth and reason. It's the instrument of praise and adoration to God. You know, this story so well illustrates the scripture in in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, where it says that death and life are found in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, the craziest thing about this story is where did these two freak shows find two tongues laying around? I don't know. That's just weird. Last week, we talked about the constant curse of complaining. We talked about how complaining is, is in our life, and the main takeaway was is that if you have circumstances in your life that you're complaining about and you have the power to do something about them, then do something about them and stop complaining. But if you have circumstances in your life that you can't change, then change your perspective. If you have circumstances that you can't change, change your perspective. That's what the Apostle Paul did. He, went to, he wanted to go to Rome as a preacher. He wanted to go to Rome to preach the gospel, but instead he ended up going to Rome as a prisoner. Did he whine and complain about it? No, he didn't whine and complain. He changed his perspective. He didn't let Satan rob him of his joy. He made the very most of those two years that he was imprisoned, and the gospel still went forward. God still got the glory. Now, to introduce today's issue... I want to tell you a, a kind of a personal story, and, um, and so what we're going to do right now, we're going to suspend the audio on the, the live webcast right now. If you're watching on Facebook Live, we're so glad that you're here with us, uh, but because of just some privacy issues with this story, 
I'm, we're just going to cut the, the volume on it and just hang with us for about two more minutes, and we'll be right back. And uh, you can join us again, and you'll find out what we're talking about. I'm telling you what that felt like. It felt like a six foot four, 250-pound man named Criticism walked in the room and just gut-punched us. That's what it felt like. How many of you know that feeling? Yeah, everybody in the room. You've put your heart and soul into something. You've put your blood, sweat, and tears into something, and then someone just walks in and criticizes it and tears it down, tears you down. We all know what that feels like. Now i got another question for you. How many of you have done that to somebody else? I have. Mm. So today I, I want to talk about this issue. Let's tackle the issue of criticism. And when I say criticism, I, I want us to be clear. I'm not talking about the constructive feedback that we give to people because we genuinely love and care for them and want them to succeed. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about today when we say criticism is we're talking about the ugly, unkind, unhelpful, nitpicking kind of criticism. That's what we're talking about. So you might be thinking, Shady, thank you so much for addressing this issue right now because my spouse needs to hear this. (laughs) Is there a way... Is there a way somehow I can anonymously send a link to this mess of this message to my boss? Man, my mother-in-law really needs to hear this. <laughs> now remember, the name of the series is My Big Fat Mouth, not Their Big Fat Mouth. And the problem with criticism, it's often difficult to see in the mirror. Why is that? Because none of us are as intuitive as we think we are. None of us are as intuitive as we think we are. You know, we hate being criticized. It's really easy for us to recognize when we're being criticized. It hurts. But it's not always easy for us to recognize when we're doing it to someone else. We don't always get that right away. And the reason that is is because it's masked under this idea, and it may not be a conscious thought. Maybe it's running in the background of your mind and your subconscious that, well, I just know what's best for them. I know what's best for their life. Let's look at what the Apostle Paul, he wrote this to the church in Galatia, and many of us are probably very familiar with a line in this passage. As a matter of fact, uh, Christians and non-Christians alike are really familiar with this one line. But what I want to do is not just read the one line, I want to read all the things around it as well. And so let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, and Paul says this. He says, for you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. That's good news. Yay. We're supposed to live in freedom. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Oh, doesn't that feel good? Yes. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. And here's the part that everybody knows. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everybody say that. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul's quoting Jesus. Jesus said it. He was quoting Moses. Everybody knows this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on to say this. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. If you want to know the secret to life, it's right there in the verse. Just 
follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in everything that you do in your life. Case closed. We're done. You know, let's go home. I mean, that's what we could say every single Sunday, seriously. Because the Holy Spirit's going to guide you into all truth. If you follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're not going to be stepping into the criticism trap. You're not going to be tearing people down. You're not going to be you know, biting and devouring people. You've got to surrender yourself to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So Paul says this, love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, we all know that. So how do you do that? One of the ways that we love our neighbor as ourselves is not stepping into that, 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 that trap of criticism. Because when we do, when we're harsh, when we're criticizing people, when we're discouraging people, we're not loving people. We're destroying them. Some of you, criticism is one of the main things that's robbing your marriage of joy and intimacy. For some of us, it, criticism is driving a wedge between us and our kids. For some of us, criticism is the thing that is preventing us from sharing the good news with people because when people see us coming, all they see is this critical person coming. They don't see somebody that reflects the character and nature of Jesus. And so they, if you try to tell anything to them about the goodness of God, they, they can't wade through the critical swamp that you live in. Look at what Proverbs 12, 18 says. Some people make cutting remarks. Well, what's a cutting remark? I mean, you can make something that's a really obvious, big cutting remark, and sometimes it can just be as simple as something like, hey, did you lose your phone? Well, no, I, I didn't lose my phone. Why do you ask? Well, you haven't called or texted in a few weeks, and so I just kind of assumed that maybe you lost your phone. Has anybody's grandma ever done that to them? <laughs> That's a grandma burn. <laughs> and so Paul's like, some people make cutting remarks. They're critical. They sting. But the words of the wise bring healing. The words of the wise, they don't tear people down. They build people up. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, Paul says this. He says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Man, that's what I want. That's what I want. When I open my mouth, I want to say the right thing at the right time that encourages somebody. When I open my mouth, I want people to be exposed to the grace of God. That's what I want when I open my mouth. Here's the warning and here's the blessing. The warning is this. A single word of criticism can pierce somebody's soul, and it can just stick with them for years and years and years. You didn't caulk the baseboards. But words of encouragement, a single word of encouragement, God can use that to encourage someone at the right time, to give them the faith that they need to persevere through the situation, and he can do that through your words. Our words have power. Our words have power. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Some of you guys, you know the story of Cheryl Salem Pruitt. She's this little girl, grew up in the backwoods of Mississippi. She hung out a lot at her daddy's little grocery store out in the country. And every day, the milkman would come to make the delivery, make the milk delivery. And he would greet her and say, there's my little Miss America. And she would laugh and giggle and be embarrassed and think that's funny. But I'm telling you what, day after day after day, 
of him greeting her that way, that kind of became a childhood fantasy. And that childhood fantasy kind of grew into a teenage dream. And then it actually became a real goal of hers. And then one day, she stood on a stage in Atlantic City and was crowned Miss America. Yeah. Now, do you think that milkman thought that that was going to happen when he was saying that to this four or five-year-old little girl? He was just being encouraging. He was just trying to say something to lift her day. He didn't know that those words were going to be seeds that would one day sprout up and become a reality in her life. Now listen, we have no idea the, the influence that our words have, the power that our words have. Sometimes we have no clue. And if you're always cutting, if you're always criticizing, if you're always discouraging people, it can destroy them. But if we edify people, if we build them up and encourage them, our words have, the, have seed power. They have the power to be planted in someone's heart and to grow up and bear an incredible fruit. Listen, I've been, I've been criticized. I've been discouraged. I know what that feels like. I know how it can affect you for, for years and years. I know how when other people criticize you, it makes then you kind of become critical as well. That, that's one of the struggles that I deal with. I've dealt, I've, I've dealt with that kind of attitude my entire adult life. I don't feel like I had a lot of, of criticism growing up. Thank God. I lived in a home where, for the most part, we, we, that just didn't exist. We, we, I had great parents that were submitted to great teaching. They were submitted to, to great counsel, the Word of God. They had great church, family, great pastors. And we just didn't deal with that growing up. But once I kind of got out of my parents' home, got out of college, I started finding out, man, there's... There's critical people. There's critical people in the church. There's critical people in ministry. And that not only hurt me and wounded me, but it, it was something that I started to adopt and take on, and I started to become critical as well. Critical of the people I'm most closest to, my wife and kids. Like, man, this is not who I want to be. This is not what I want to do. I don't want to be tearing them down. I don't want to be building them up. I want to encourage them. I want to be my wife and my kids' biggest cheerleader. That's what I want. Listen, I could stand before you here today and say, well, here I am. I'm the product of criticism. But thank God I'm not. Thank God I had other people in my life who spoke encouragement to me. I had other people in my life who spoke words of life into me. I am a product I choose to be a product of people speaking life to me, speaking encouraging things to me. This church is a product of that. This church is a product of people that were in my life and Jamie's life, encouraging us, speaking life into us, telling us this is God's plan for your life. This is God's call for your life to start this work. And here you are all today, and you're a product of it. Listen. I've had people in my life that have been life takers with their words, but thank God I've had people in my life that have been life givers with their words. That's what I want. So the question is today is, what do you want to speak? What kind of person do you want to be? You can be one of two kinds of people. The first kind of person you can be is a fault finder. You can be a fault finder. What is a fault finder? That's someone that is looking for things that are wrong. 
They're looking for and finding things that are wrong before they look for and find the things that are right. That's what a fault finder is. Some of you guys are fault finders in your marriages. I don't like the way he chooses food. <laughs> oh my. I don't like the way that they snore. You know, I don't, I don't like the way that they breathe. I don't, like the, I don't like the jokes that he tells. Fault finding. Come on. Some, some of us, we fault find with our kids. We fault find at school with the teachers and coaches and administration. We fault find with our kids' baseball coach. On social media, we're fault finding. You know, at work, you go into work. Man, I hate, I hate when they run the meetings. Oh, they're so boring. We don't get anything done when, they, when, we, when this person runs the meetings. Oh, man, I hate when they talk. Something just about their voice. It just it grinds on me. I hate when they talk. Man, she doesn't have a clue what she's doing. She has no business being in the position that she's in. Man, this place is just stupid. Nobody knows what they're doing around here. You can do that. You can say, I can't believe what she posted on Instagram. She says she loves Jesus, but did you see what she was wearing? I'm not judging. I'm just saying. Can you believe the way they raise their kids? Golly, their kids are crazy. Did you see them pull out of the parking lot? Man, the way they drive, they need to pull that seed sticker off the back of their, their car. They're being a bad witness. Y'all would probably say that about me, the pastor driving. <laughs> You're fault finding. It's easy to be a fault finder. You know who was a fault finder, the chief fault finder? Satan. Satan is the chief fault finder. The, the Bible says all throughout the scriptures, we see this picture of him that he is a, the accuser of the brethren. He stands before God day and night trying to tell the Lord all that's messed up with us. Now, thank God for the blood of Jesus. Yes. Right? Amen. You know who else was fault finders? Uh, the religious leaders during Jesus' day. The Pharisees were fault finders. So the question is, how do, you, how do we find ourselves here? This is being so critical all the time. How do we find ourselves as fault finders? Remember, we said this last week. We said that this, this issue, what we're talking about, my big fat mouth, it's, this is not just about... Uh, like behavioral change. This is not like about behavior modification. This has to do with what's going on in the inside. Jesus said that it's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So whatever your heart is full of, whatever your soul is full of, that's what's going to automatically spill out of your mouth. This is a heart issue. So how do we become fault finders? Sometimes it's pride. Sometimes we, we've not checked pride at the door. And we think we know what's best. Sometimes we're, we're criticizing others for the very things that we are insecure about. I've been there, done that. Got a drawer full of those t-shirts. Sometimes it's easy for us to criticize from a distance. We criticize things, that, but we don't have all the information about that. You know, it was really easy for me when I was younger and didn't have kids. It was really easy for me to criticize parents that had kids. You know, we're in the restaurant, and the two-year-old is acting like a maniac. And I don't have kids of my own, but I can tell you what I would do. I can tell you how I would parent in that moment. What's wrong with these parents? 
until I had a two-year-old of my own out in public. How many of you know you cannot negotiate with terrorists? Listen, be quiet. Please calm down. Please act, stop acting crazy. I'll give you the candy. I'll buy you a pony. Just, just stop acting like a maniac. Just let me buckle you in your, in your car seat. Oh. It's easy to criticize at a distance. Sometimes we criticize and we say, man, if I say this, if I make, if I make this judgment, if I say this, this will make me look smart. This will make me look like I know what I'm talking about. People see how awesome I am. Wow, they're really smart. They really know. They really know a lot. They're really awesome. No, what it makes you look like is insecure and like a jackass. Let me ask you this. Have you ever met somebody that was critical? And you're like, man, yeah, I want to be like that. No. I want to show you this other verse, but here's what I need. Here's what I need. I need every married man, I need you to look forward at me or look straight at the screen. I don't need you to look to the left or the right. And we're going to let the Holy Spirit do the work here. You don't need to elbow anybody next to you. You don't need to shout amen. You don't even nod. That's not going to help you right now in life. It might actually take your life from you if... You do anything. If you make a move right now, let's read this verse from the Bible. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 19 says, It is better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. (laughs) Ladies, I didn't write that. I didn't write that. If I were writing the book of Proverbs, I may have added something extra in there about men. Maybe something like, it's better to have like bamboo shoots shoved up underneath your fingernails than to live with a man who's constantly criticizing you. Because it goes both ways. Right? My wife, you're not supposed to amen that. Anyway. So do you want to be a fault finder? Or do you want... To be a hope dealer. Hope. With an H. Hope dealer. <laughs> we got some CBD dealers in, in the house, but we want to deal hope. That's all the hope. That's what we're trying to deal around here. Hope. I want to read to you this, this passage uh, from Romans. This is, what, this is what Paul said to the church in Rome. And this is not on the screen, so I just want you to listen and pay attention here. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So first of all, we have this amazing promise that we can be filled with joy and peace. Thank you, God. And how do we get there? How do we do that? By putting our trust in him, who is the source of all hope. God's the source of all hope. I put my trust in him, and then what's the result? I'm filled with joy and peace. Praise God. And I'm so full that I'm overflowing with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to use my life to pour out hope, to be a hope dealer. 
That's good news. Paul is a great example of a hope dealer. I mean, every chance that he would get, he would build people up. He wasn't tearing people down. If you read through Romans chapter 8, you see scattered, even just through this one chapter, all this hope. Let me just uh, highlight some things here. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hope. Holy Spirit helps you in your weaknesses. Hope. Jesus intercedes for us right now at the right hand of God the Father. Hope. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Hope. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hope. You might think to yourself, well, I'm just a fault finder. It's just who I've always been. It's who I'll always be. It's just been so easy for me. No, if you are a Christ follower, if you're a believer, you're not a fault finder. Your default setting is is that you're a hope dealer. You don't have to settle for having a big fat mouth. You can have a favored filled mouth, amen? You don't reflect the character and nature of the enemy. You reflect the character and nature of Jesus. Yeah, you can get excited about this. This is good. In the Gospels, when somebody was caught in sin and they were brought to the religious leaders, the Pharisees would just fault find. They would condemn. But Jesus, Jesus would call sin what it was. Okay, that's sin. That's not righteous. But he would not leave them there. He would give them hope. He would give them hope to be free from the bondage of sin. Why? Because he is full of hope. Because he is. He is the bread of life. He is living water. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the living hope. He is our hope. And if Jesus is full of hope, then I'm full of hope too. That's my default setting. My default setting is not criticism. That's, not, that's, that's an unrenewed spirit. And if I'm in Christ, then all things have passed away and all things have become new. And now I'm a hope dealer. I'm not a fault finder. Your kid may not keep their room clean. <laughs> but that doesn't mean they're a bad kid. You, you, you talk to them and you encourage them. Man, I love, I love what I see in you. I love the the creativity that I see in you. You know, your your, your roommate eats all your food and wears your clothes. That's what girls do. What do you expect? But they're an incredible friend, so you tell them that. Man, you're an incredible friend. You're a loyal friend. You're a faithful friend. I couldn't think of, of any other person I'd want to be a roommate with. Your wife might not be the most organized person in the world, but she's an incredible mother. So instead of her tearing her down for what she's not, build her up for who she is. Honey, I love you. I love the way that you pour your life into this family with such grace. I love, honey, I can't think of any other person that I would rather be married to because the way that you pour life into our kids, the way that you speak life to our kids, the way that you care for this family so well. Your husband may not ever win Yard of the Month Club in the neighborhood. Maybe he hates yard work, but the next time he's out there pushing that lawnmower or he's got the weed eater out, you just tell him, honey, you look good out there with that lawnmower. You look sexy in your black socks and Crocs. Your boss may not be a good leader, 
But look for something to speak life into him or her over. Don't say it with sarcasm. Say it with sincerity. Let me tell you, if you want to be a hope dealer, then your, your number one strategy is to come close to the person who, who is hope himself. The closer you get to Jesus in your relationship with him, you will become more aware of the magnitude of his grace. And for all of who God is, and for all of what he's done in my life and in yours, why in the world do I want to spend a lick of time pointing out the speck in your eye and criticizing you? Because of who God is, because of what he's done, because of his forgiveness and hope and love, I'm not going to fault find. I'm going to give hope. That's who we are. We're the people of God. We're hope givers. We speak words of life. We speak words of encouragement. We point people to Jesus, who is the living hope, the one who forgives all sins, and the one who heals all brokenness. Amen? Just stand up with me. Let's just pray right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. We thank you that you sent Jesus, your son, and he is the living hope. You're the source of all hope, God. And for those of us, Lord, that have had this wrestling with this issue of criticism in our life, we come and we lay it at the foot of the cross right now. We come out of agreement with any, any word that says, well, that's just who I am. I, I'm never going to change. We come out of agreement with that and we say, no, I'm not going to be a fault finder. I'm going to be a hope dealer. It's who I am. I, I am new in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. So it means if Jesus is full of hope, then I'm full of hope too. That's our confession today, God. So we repent of any criticism. We turn and we walk away from that and we turn toward you, Jesus, who is the source of all hope right now. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you for supernatural power right now. We ask you for supernatural wisdom for when criticism tries to take over us again, whether it be no matter what form it might come from, might, might be coming from people that are critical of us. Lord, I just pray that we would shake that off and we would see ourselves the way that you, you see us. And that we would not bear that criticism. We would see ourselves the way that you see us. So Holy Spirit, give us insight and wisdom and strategy on how to overcome critical attitude that tries to creep into our life. We resist that in the name of Jesus and we claim ourselves as hope dealers. And if you're here today, maybe you're not a Christ follower. Maybe you're not a Christian let me tell you today, there's no like hoops that you have to jump through. There's no like class that you have to take in order to make this decision. You can make the decision right now and you can come to God, the source of all hope. You can come to Jesus, put your trust in him who is, the, who is our living hope right now. And if that's what you want to do today, I want to just invite you to pray with me right now. I'm just going to pray a prayer. You can put your heart behind these words come into agreement with it. Heavenly Father, I just come to you right now and I just surrender my entire life to you. I lay it before you. God, I'm tired of doing life my way. I want to do life your way. I'm, I, I, I lay down this old yucky self, this sinful self, and I, and I just give it to you right now. And Jesus, I thank you. I ask you right now to forgive me of all my sins. And I know because of what God's word says that all of my sins are forgiven. And so I receive that forgiveness. So help me to see myself now, God, the way that you see me. 
I, I make this confession that Jesus, that you are Lord, and I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And I now ask for your Holy Spirit, God, to send your Holy Spirit to come and live inside of me, to change me from the inside out, and to make something amazing out of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.